All righty, where are all the Coke drinkers at in the room? Uh, Pepsi drinkers? Mountain Dew drinkers? <laughs> Coffee drinkers. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I, I too am a Coke drinker, and I want to, one, there's this, there's this new flavor that's out there. I don't know if it's supposed to be a breakfast drink or not, but it's orange vanilla. Like, like I don't know if it's like supposed to take, the, those are so good. I, they are, they are, they are. There's this other one, though. Like, I can't drink this one, not just because of the orange vanilla, but there's something in this that prevents me from drinking it, and it's because it's not this one. I don't know if you've ever seen this one. This is in, in the golden can. Right? Like, I don't know if the can's, I don't think it's made of gold, sorry. But, but this is in the golden can for one reason and one reason only. It's not because it's diet, because that one's nasty. That one's disgusting. I know you guys think it tastes normal, but it doesn't. It doesn't. You have tricked your taste buds. It is not normal. Um, this one actually tastes like Coke. But there's this, I, I started drinking this at a very young, ripe age of about five years old. And the reason I began drinking this was because this was the only Coke that we had in the house. And this is, is what some of you um, would call unleaded Coke. This is caffeine-free Coke. Yeah, I know, I know. But my, my father um, actually had a, a low tolerance to caffeine, and, and I'm developing that same low tolerance to caffeine that if I drink it, I get wired, wired up by all the caffeine in it. Not only right after I drink it, but about 2 a.m. it likes to go for round two on me. Anybody else? Anybody else? You drink caffeine at 2 a.m., you're wide awake. I know. I wish I could, like, drink it and, and have that same effect later on. Like, I've learned that if I drink Coke at around, uh, if I drink it any time after noon, that I'm immediately awake, 2 a.m., no matter what. It's ridiculous. I wish I could pause that, drink it at, like, 6 p.m. and be wide awake at 5 a.m. That'd be great. That, that'd be awesome. But but there's, there's this caffeine-free Coke, and it it's got its own flavor. It really does. Just, but you still get that bite, right? Like it's, like it's cleaning out all your arteries as good Coke does, right? It can take, rip that rust right off those bumpers, right? And, and so, so there's, there's something amazing about this. Now, I was, I was running to Walmart this morning so that we could have our communion elements to, to get our good old Welch's grape juice and some crackers so that we could remember Jesus this morning. But, and while I was there, my, my son coined a phrase. Now, now he's heard, he's heard us talk about how we're hangry and how, how, you can, how many of you guys have been hangry before, so hungry that you're angry, right? He, he knows his mama can get quite hangry. And, and so here he is, six years old, walking through Walmart, and he coins this term, Dad, Dad, I'm thangry today. <laughs> I'm thangry. Like, literally, this was this morning. I'm not making this up. He says, Dad, I'm thangry because he knew we were at Walmart and he wanted a drink. He was like, I'm so thirsty. I'm angry, Dad. <laughs> and and so, so, so we got him not, not a, not a caffeine-free Coke. We, yeah, I'm a good dad. We got him milk. And, and so he, he got some, some good old Nestle um, strawberry milk this morning. But um, I remember, though, the time that I was thangry. So thangry that, that I reached for one of these. I reached for one of these, and oh, doesn't that sound beautiful this morning? Oh, it does. I reached for one of these, and I could imagine, like I was playing baseball. It's about 114 degrees outside, and some of you teenagers already know this story because I used it at the last lock-in. But I was, I was so thirsty, and I could just dream of, of just cracking open the can of caffeine-free Coke. 
114 degrees outside, I'm playing, practicing baseball, and, and we've already gone through the five gallons. But, you know, we had a hard coach that could scream and yell as the best of them, and we would, we would joke around and goof off and do things and miss grounders. And, and when we would do that, I don't know if you would have a coach like this, but we would have to run around the entire field. And he would keep track of how many times we would do that, how many times we would have errors on the field, how many times we were goofing off and playing around and not paying attention to him. And, and, and this particular day, I don't know exactly how many laps that we had to run, but I knew the water was gone. I knew it was 114. And I know that we had to run laps at the end of practice. Now, our practices were set from a certain time to a certain time. And so parents, just as you have probably shown up to your kids' practices, they went long, right? Have you ever had a practice that gone long? Yeah. And, and and so they're sitting there, and my dad would sit there, and he would wait for me and, and be ready for me, and, and, but time would go on, and time would pass, and time would pass, and he would begin to fall asleep. And so this very day, he, he fell asleep in the truck, and, and all I could do, I knew that this would be waiting for me in the truck. I knew that there would be a caffeine-free Coke that he had had that he was drinking on, and that I could run as soon as practice was over and get to the truck, and I did. I did. As soon as practice, as soon as coach said, okay, you guys are done, go home for the day, I ran, sprinted all the way to the truck, and I saw that beautiful caffeine-free Coke already open, sitting there. It's like a light shone down from heaven, and the angels rejoiced, and I could see it. I opened up the door, and it was there. My dad was asleep, and so I didn't even need to ask for permission, and this was great. And, and so I could reach across, and I grabbed that caffeine-free Coke and realized he already drank some, but I didn't care. There was still some in there, and I grab it, and mmm, mmm, oh, just gulped it down. But it was about after one gulp, it didn't take too many gulps for me to realize and remember that my dad was a smoker. And if you had a smoker dad, you realize and remember that they always had a can that they spit into, that they put ash into. And that is exactly, I grabbed the wrong can and I gulped loogie and ash See, I grabbed that Coke thinking that it was going to satisfy me, and it did not satisfy me. There's this story in Scripture of a woman that comes to a well, and Jesus is talking to her, and he asks her for a drink. His disciples had already gone to the town to buy food, and this Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. In verse 9, it says, or do not use dishes Samaritans have used. And so this was, this was a bad, like this should not be happening. This was not culturally correct. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than the father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, when the woman from Samaria, asked Jesus for water. 
will satisfy her forever. You know, we, we talked about this scripture early on in the, in the More Than Word series, and we talked about the word of God and the words of Jesus being this living water that can spring up within us. And whenever we drink from it, we will never be thirsty again. But this woman was drinking from a well that constantly made her thirsty. She was, there was this area in her life that she was constantly searching for fulfillment. Namely, this was her relationship with Men, this was the well that she had gone to over and over and over again. In my hand is, is a nice bucket of Play-Doh. Now, you guys are going to have to, like, agree not to eat the Play-Doh, all right? I, I'm, I'm going to just pass this out and not eat the Play-Doh. Um, if you've got some students around, um, make sure they don't eat it. Um, but, but I would like at least every adult to grab some Play-Doh this morning, and, and I will tell you exactly what that is for in a moment. And so just pass it around. Try to make sure every, at least adult, has one. Because what I've found is is that I have, many times in my life, I've grabbed for something to drink that leaves me thirsty, that leaves me wanting more, that, that I too have been like the woman at the well, and I've thirsted for the things of this world, and I've come up wanting more. I, I've come up needing more, coming up thirsty. Or thangry, as Grayson may put it. See, after I grabbed that Coke can, I never looked at that Coke can ever the same way again. It took me about 20 more years to be able to drink a caffeine-free Coke. Because every time I looked at that can, I, 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 that taste, that, that bitterness, that, <laughs> that nasty, disgusting loogies, all that came to my remembrance. And I could never drink that can the same again. See, the woman at the well was replacing God with what she thought would fulfill her. Jesus talked to her and he said, you know, the, the five men that you've been with and even this one that you're with now that is not your husband. And he begins to kind of read her mail. See, when we replace God with something or someone else, it always causes us to place unrealistic expectations on that person. The woman at the well, she did it with men. She was like, well, well, this person will fulfill me or this person will make me whole. This person will give me everything that I need. But Jesus is saying, I've got something else. I've got water that you will never thirst again. See, some of us can tend to do that with our spouses. And then we realize about 30 minutes into the marriage that, you know, your spouse will indeed disappoint. At least I did that with my wife, right? Like, like, like the very first thing, the very first thing that I was in charge of was get us to the honeymoon. Get us to the honeymoon. Like, get to the hotel. And that was the thing I was looking forward to most on my wedding day, right? And, but, and, and so I was ready. I get to the car, and I have it all printed out, right? I went to MapQuest, and I got the directions. And they were all printed out page after page after page. Now, some of you don't know what MapQuest is, and I'm sorry. We didn't always have these little boxes that told us everywhere to go, when to do it, when to turn, when to go. No, we had a piece of paper, and it had a map on it. On it and it had directions. And well, well, well MapQuest, um, if you've ever used MapQuest, sometimes it could be confusing. And 
And I was not from Indiana. I had never driven um, through Indianapolis, and I had no clue where I was going. But I knew where I wanted to go, and that was the honeymoon suite at, um, oh, I can't even remember the hotel's name. But we, we drive down 31. We're following the directions. And it tells us to get to, to take 465. That's it. Take 465. If you've ever driven to Indianapolis, you know there's decisions at that 465 moment, right? There's east or west. There's north or south. And, and you're like, oh, I did not take the right way. Then it told me to exit at 82nd and Keystone, and then I took that exit. I was not in the right point in town. I, I took that exit and drove and drove. It was the Omni. That was it. The Omni Hotels, right? The Omni Hotel Suite, all that sort of stuff. Yep. Three hours it took us to get to 82nd and 465 because it was on the other side of town and I was looking for it all in the wrong direction then took the entire loop. I was one of those spouses that disappoint and I have I've stayed up on top of that, you know, to this point, right? I've been lost a few times. But, but when, we, when we let our spouse be the one that, hey, we're going to expect them to fulfill us. We're going to expect them to complete us. They're, they're, you complete me, right? That's Jerry Maguire. No, God is the one that is supposed to be our one. Our, our spouse is supposed to be our two. See, many times we'll do it in our spouse. We'll do it with our children. We'll, we'll find our identity in, in, in being a mom or being a dad and, and, and then... As they become more independent, as they become their own child, as they begin to do the things they want to do, that baby fever kicks in. And only if I had one that just looked up to me and adored me as this teenager no longer does. Time to get that baby fever. Sometimes we do it in our jobs, right? Like, like we go each and every day, we go to conquer this job that we have. We go to complete this job, this task that has been given to us each and every day. And if it's not the task, then it's a position and it's a ladder to climb and it's a, it's a paycheck to earn and to, to bring home that bacon, right? Then we get injured and we can't do it any longer. You know, we become disabled or we get replaced. You know, I, I really did think, you know, as soon as I stepped out of the, out of the picture at Subaru, that that whole place would collapse without me. It didn't. <laughs> I thought, surely they're going to be beating down my door, calling me back, probably within a week, offering me more and more money just to come back because they can't survive without me. No. You know, they got somebody else to fill my job. Another person that could do what I did, if not do it even better than I, and I was replaced the very next day. What are the places that we can never be replaced? See, we'll, we'll, we'll take these different things and we'll let them be our little gods. We'll give everything to them. And we'll end up thirsty again. It could be a drug, whether legal or illegal or prescribed or bought in a dark alley. It could be the drug of a caffeine pill or, or a caffeinated drink or, or of cheeseburgers or of tacos, no matter what it is, right? We'll be thirsty again. Whether it calms that emotion, 
whether it calms that worry or that anxiety or, or begins to mask it or, or to cover it up, we still get thirsty again. You know, over this past year, you guys have heard plenty of times how I've been going through yet again the Bible in a year. And, and over this past probably 10 weeks, I've been in this minor prophets, minor and major prophets, and really seeing, you know, God's love, but also seeing his frustration with his people as they continue to turn away from him. You get to see this, this parent side kind of God. Or he has to step up and not just be their friend, not just be their grace, and not just be their mercy. He is that, even through the minor prophets, but you also see his justice. You also see him be the parent that steps in and says, I love you too much to let you continue to operate in the same pattern. And some of you parents have probably had to step in and do that before. I love you enough to say enough is enough and to stop you from continuing this pattern in life. And they kick and they scream. How many of us are living that out right now? We're, we're in a moment where, where, we've, where we've been thirsting after something that is, is, is not fulfilling us. But we keep going to it again and again and again. And we say, but it tastes good. It looks good. Everybody else is doing it. But see, when we follow the patterns of this world, we get the same results of this world. If we keep turning to the things of this world, we will keep getting the same results. We're wondering why our marriage is headed towards divorce. We're following their pattern. We're wondering why we're still drowning in debt. It's because we're following the patterns of this world. Wondering why we're in the same boat in anxiety and depression. Could it be because we're going to the thing that never quenches our thirst? See, this, this series, this little God series, is kind of birthed out of when the Pharisees were trying to trip up Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, you know, all those commandments, which one's the most important? Which one is the most important? And he turns to him and answers and says, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Last week we talked about the, the different sources the different source gods, the, the little idols that we've put in place that we've kind of begun to shape and to form in our lives and to look to and begin to worship. This happened, I mean, we see it all throughout Scripture. One of the, the most famous times is when, when Moses goes up to talk to God on, on Mount Sinai and, and he's up there getting the Ten Commandments. He's up there worshiping God. He's up there trying to lead his people through this desert and, and finding out the direction that they should go. And they are all down at the bottom of the mountain, melting down their gold and building this golden calf. If you have a golden calf in your backyard, we need to have a one-on-one -on -one discussion. But most of us are too smart for that. Most of us, it's just our 401k. Most of us, it's what we drove here this morning. Most of us, it, 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 it may be our image. It may be our level of comfort. It may be our control. 
or our power. And so we said, what does it mean to love the Lord your God with your whole heart? What does it mean to love the Lord your God with your whole heart? Think of your heart just for a second. Most of us probably don't think about it at all until it gives us problems, until it's clogged up from drinking too much Coke. Um, But if you think about it, just the simplicity of what it is, it's not that simple. But everything flows through it. Without our hearts, we have nothing. Just try to... Uh, No, I'm not going to say try to stop your heart and see what happens. No, (laughs) because that would not be good. But you would instantly be surrounded by people trying to keep your heart going. Trying to even shock your heart. Back to where it's alive again. I don't know if those little paddles may look like a weird little bald guy today. But what does it look like when we love the Lord our God with our whole heart? When everything flows through the love that we have for him, from our relationships to our wallets, to our dating relationships, to our spousal relationships, to our, to our mom and dad and parenting relationships, to, our, to our, our spiritual relationship with him, whether it's something we're continuing. Like, hey, in, in, instead of just being a convert, Jesus, what if we were a disciple of him? Because when he, said, he came and said, he said, follow me. He didn't say, just pray a prayer and, and accept me as your personal Lord and Savior. He, he said, follow me. He didn't say, just believe that I existed on this earth. He said, follow me. And then he told us to go ye therefore and make disciples, not converts. So how are we walking after him, how are we following after him? Is everything that we are, like, does Netflix and chill have enough room for Jesus in the room? I know, I know, it always gets crazy when the dad jokes start coming in. <laughs> what about grabbing a few drinks? Is Jesus right there with us? When, when, when we begin to move in with one another, is, is, is Jesus there in the midst of that? What, what we do to relax, what we do to kick back after a hard day's work, or, or maybe when we hear bad news. Everything that's flowing through our hearts, when we're loving God with our whole heart, that means everything that we're doing, how we treat our loved ones, how we treat our spouse, our time, our talents, our treasure, we, we talk about those things all the time. It's used a little bit differently because instead of using it on ourselves, we're using everything that we have, every breath that we take, every move we make. <laughs> Sorry, it just comes out. Everything we are points back to him. You know, Frank really messed me up, Mr. Frank Bohannon, this past couple weeks. He came up to me. He's like, pass the bill. <laughs> I love Frank. <laughs> I love Frank. He's like, pass the bill, man. Found something for you. I was in the store, and I saw this, and I knew I had to get it to you. Man, he gave me a bad gift, right? <laughs> he scared me with this gift because he hands it to me. I look down, and it's his license plate. It says WWJD. I was like, thanks, Mr. Frank. <laughs> Because inside, this battle went on. I don't drive like Jesus. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to put this on. 
But I told Frank, man, Frank, I got this new truck, and I'd, I'd love to put it on there. Those words came out faster than my brain thought of them. Because as I bent down and put that on, every time after I drove my truck, it felt a little bit differently. <laughs> Especially when those people on Concord Road love to drive like 75 miles an hour, and you're pulling out, and you're just driving, and they just ride up on you. I don't know about you, but I have perfected the brake check. <laughs> I have. I have. And, and, and the moment I saw, I pulled out, and I'm going 40. I see the speed limit sign. It says 40. And so I'm, I'm like, I'm going the speed limit. And here they go. And they get right up on me. I'm like, I can brake check right now. Yeah. <laughs> and right, at, I, I literally took my foot off the gas, ready to brake check. And I remembered that gift that friend gave me. Because <laughs> I knew I would brake check them, and they would get mad enough to fly behind me. They would probably tell me I'm number one as they pass me. <laughs> they would move over. They would look in their mirror, and they would see W-W-J-D. <laughs> Can't break check them. <laughs> Can't break check them. See, that's just a little bit of the everything, right? Letting Jesus flow through everything that we are. My wife told me she couldn't put that on her car because she ain't ready for that type of, like, commitment. Like, like that's, a, that's a hard commitment. <laughs> Love the Lord your God with all your heart. I mean, come on. Uh, that brake pedal, those gas pedals, those are some pretty powerful things, right? It begins to look differently when we love the Lord our God with all our heart. Makeout sessions may not, may not turn into makeout sessions because you're sitting in the middle of Chick-fil-A, right? Eating some Jesus chicken and you just don't do that in the middle, right? It doesn't happen. Sweat sipping on that liquid gold. See, Jeremiah 2.13, you know, Jeremiah, don't read it, man. It'll mess you up. Like, like, if you've ever read the book of Jeremiah, you're like, how stupid can you people be? Like, turn back to God. Like, stop doing what you're doing. If, and if you ever go through, like, the, the second half of the Old Testament, you're like, come on, people. How are you not getting this right? How are you not figuring out what God said to do and that you're not doing it and why? You turn back to him, but then you turn away, and then you turn back to him, then you turn away. And, and many times it looks like a little bit of what we talked last week. Like, we, we, we ask Jesus to come and live in our lives, but we let, let him be like a renter in our apartment. And I, like, God, you get that kind of sense. Section, my girlfriend's over in this section, and, and, and like me and my PlayStation, we over here, and, and like none of you guys can touch each other because this is just not going to work. But Jesus says he wants our whole heart, our whole heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And in Jeremiah 2.13, it says, for my people have committed two evils. This is the beginning of Jeremiah, before, before Babylon takes over, before King Nebuchadnezzar comes and begins to annihilate them. God's like, here's where you're getting it wrong. You've forsaken me. You, 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 you met me at the well, and you said, I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to go drink from my own cup, God. You look good over there, and, and when I need you, I'll come back to you. But for now, mm, mm, 
Mm. But for now, she's pretty hot. Mm. But for now, I'm just too busy. I'm just working too much. Mm. For now, I'm, I'm the provider for my family. You don't know what this pressure is like, God, so I've got to do this. Mm. We begin to get farther and farther away from him. But God, you don't know the day that I had. I just want to relax. I'm just really worried about what the future may hold. I'm just worried about what that doctor said. And we walk away from letting him be our Lord, letting him be our Savior. And we go to the thing that continues to leave us thirsty again. And just like this verse says, we, we forsake God. And then I really am really bad at pronouncing like biblical words. And so at first I called this hoed, but then that goes to a whole different direction that I can't like take us in this morning. And so I'm going to go with hood, 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 and hood. You have forsaken me and you've hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. In your hands, you've got some Play-Doh, <laughs> right? Hopefully, you got, hopefully everybody got some Play-Doh. Right? You can take out your Play-Doh right now. Don't eat it, Craig. Don't eat the Play-Doh. I know it smells so good. Mmm, brings back so many preschool memories, right? It's there. But I'm going to ask all of you to begin to hew. Okay, you don't know what hew means. Okay, so, so, so the definition of hew means to chop. Yeah, no, uh, to, to cut down, to conform, to make, or to shape. Plenty of things that we can shape. But this morning... I want to challenge us to be like honest in church, maybe to be a little vulnerable in church, because when we begin to think about our little idols, we've probably already thought of some things, you know, that we've, we've chosen to go to, some things that we've chosen to drink from time and time again, the things that we begin to, to walk away from God, and we begin to handle ourselves. So I'm, I'm up here hewing a little bit, and, and hopefully you're hewing right where you're at. Hopefully you're making, hopefully you're shaping, and we're going to see like who the real artist is, because it's not me, um, and, and, and mine's going to be quite ridiculous. There was a gentleman by the name of John Calvin. He had this quote, and it says, man's nature, so to speak, is a perpetual factory of idols, a perpetual, that ongoing, that over and over and over factory of idols. We're really good at churning them out, right? We're really good at taking something and that's in our hands and beginning to, beginning to worship it, right? Like maybe it's a worm for you, right? No, that's about all I'm good at making it play, though. Um, maybe, or maybe it's a little bit like me. And it's money. Because at the age of 11, I began to start my own business. And I began to realize, 
man, I can get some awesome kicks with this stuff. That's why I started my own business was, was so I could, I could mow lawns and I could have me some purple and yellow Reeboks that matched match my basketball jersey at the time because I was on the Los Angeles Lakers. Ooh. I needed me some paper. That one's really easy to make. You just flatten it and, it, and we begin to chase after it. It's our nature. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. It wasn't up to God to provide for me. It was up to me to provide for me. And for years, that, that same motion, that same process went into play. And I was good at it. I was really good at it. I could, I could make lots of money in a lot of little time doing all kinds of crazy things, uh, from, from valet parking cars to, to selling craftsman tools while I worked at Sears to, to hammering out pizzas for a pizza parlor. I could make me some money. Then my mom taught me this, this process called tithing. She said, Billy, you're going to do this. <laughs> because she had to sign my checks as well, because we had this joint bank account, because she wanted me to teach me financial stewardship. And so every single time we went out, put the check in the bank, we got cash money back, not only for all, all my desires, but also 10%. And that lasted a really long time, like until she had to stop signing my checks. <laughs> then I became my provider. And it was something I struggled with plenty on and off. And even in the midst of the tithe, I would still struggle with it. I would still say, I need, more. I need to have more in savings. I need to have more to get ahead. I need to make more. I need to do more. I need to work more. And you see, the thing is that most of us, would probably not sign up to move to Terre Haute, Indiana, right? <laughs> Some of you have been there. Some of you are from there, and you're happy not to be there anymore. I'm not bashing on Terre Haute. I, I've been there, and it's, it's all right. But some of you, like I was talking about Susie in the first service, and I asked Miss Susie if she'd move there for a dollar more per year. Like, like if they were to open a Murphy USA and she was going to get to manage it, she's like, no, Pat, Billy, I ain't moving in. I ain't moving. I ain't moving. I said, come on, Miss Susie, it's a dollar more per year. <laughs> she said no. At $10, she said no. At $1,000, she said no. At $10,000, she said no. At $100,000, she said no. And some of you are like, where's the house that I'm moving to? Where, where's that application? Where's that website that I need to sign up that I could go work at Murphy USA and make $100,000 a year or $100,000 more than what I'm making currently? Some of us will begin to check that box. Some of us will begin to like, okay, I, I could do that. They're, they're going to pay me more. This is, this, is, this is awesome. Thank you, God, for blessing me, right? But sometimes... The opposite will happen. Where it's like, you're going to go here and you're going to make less. You're going to go here and you're not going to be that certain of where the paycheck is going to come from 
or if there's going to be one at the end of the month. See, when we first started Innovation Church in 2012, I was able to work at Subaru and, and do this. The workload became more here, and I had to go in and talk to my boss and say, I believe I moved here to be a full-time pastor. I believe God's calling me to step out of this position at 60K plus bonuses into this position that the council at the time voted for me to have $1,000 a month. That first month, the end of the month got there, and not even the $1,000 was there. Y'all, that was a time where this was more important. And where I was asking God, are you sure about that, God? Are you sure about what you call me to do? Are you sure about what you're asking me to do? Because this is what I've drank from. This is what has satisfied. This is what I've focused on. And, and I like it. There's a lot of security in this. There, there's a lot of, like, like zeros behind this. It's like, will you lay it down? Let me be your provider. Let me lead and guide you. Let me be the one that takes care of it. Will you stop forsaking me and stop chasing after and do what I've called you to do? Look to me and I will be your provider. Follow me and let me come through for you. For my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water. They've hooed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Always needing more, always wanting more, always striving after more, but God has other plans. See, in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. See, there, there's blanks there because we could fill those in with all kinds of words. If anyone knows about Christ, if anyone prays to Christ, but no, is in. See that in as like in, right? Not like outside of, not like thirsting outside of, not like going outside, but being inside and being at the well and drawing from him, focusing on him, thirsting for him. Another thing I see in these Old Testament prophets is Isaiah 64, 8, where it says, yet you, Lord, Lord, our Father, we are the clay and you are the potter and we are the work of your hand. But just like many of us, we've taken what he's given us and we shape it and we mold it and we think that is our job. Instead of to let him be the potter, let him be the char in charge of the clay. Let him shape and mold and us, lay it all down. Leave it behind. 
The worship team's going to come up, and we're going to have a moment here, maybe together as a church. But we, we have communion that is right here. Maybe you can't see it because you're sitting in the back, but it's, it's located right around this well. <laughs> We've got the cup with the juice inside of it that represents the blood of Jesus Christ and the cracker that represents the body of Christ that was broken for us. And, and this morning we want to remember him. But I'm wondering how many of us could be honest today and take what we've been thirsting after, take what we've been chasing after, what we've been giving our time, our talent, our life, our treasure, everything that we are to, whether it be the shape of a man, the shape of a woman, the shape of the dollar sign, the shape of a car. I don't know. Some of you probably got really creative and, and made like the Mona Lisa out of that thing, that little piece of pillow. And But could we stop chasing after those things? Can we lay them all down and come to the well? Come to the well. I'm wondering if today we'd be willing to give up control, to give up our idol, to lay down our little God and meet Jesus at the well. Can we mold it? Can we shape it? And can we leave it? Can we lay it down? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for this time that we've had to come and kind of examine our hearts and what it's pointed to. What we've been living for, whether it be our kids, whether it be our spouse, whether it be for more and more paper, whether, whether it be for whatever vehicle, whether it be for even religion. God, there's been little gods in our lives that we've begun to look to, that we've begun to chase after, that we've begun and have forsaken you and begin to hone out our own little gods. Heavenly Father, may we lay them down today before you. We leave it all behind for you pray that you would give us the strength to do just that. To be open and honest in a place that we can meet you that we can drink from your well today. That we can take our lives and remember yours. Your body that was broken for us. Your blood that was shed for us while we were still sinners. Heavenly Father, we're tired of going and searching for things to drink from. You meet us at the well today. In your name we pray. Amen.